0: What's up, knowledgers?
1: What's up, guys?
0: This is Danny. And this is Chris. And y'all are listening to...
1: Serial Knowledge!
0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to another wonderful week of Serial Knowledge.
1: How was your week, guys?
0: Um, Terrible, because I need answers for the rest of Amityville.
1: I am so sorry. Okay. I, you know, I'm kind of glad I... Left that hanging. I kind, of, I wanted to do what Danny's done to you guys. It felt <laughs> amazing.
0: I'm glad for the suspense for everyone else, but I need the rest of this episode. I need the part two. I need
1: yes, guys. So today is going to be part two of Amityville. I can't wait. Um, and last week I left you with the ending of the case of Ronnie DeFeo Jr.
0: Right, just absolutely obliterating his entire family. Yes
1: um i left you in the realm of the normal right as um, i like to call it
0: right well normal for murdering six people you know?
1: i mean nothing no spooky shit has happened yet
0: i mean i think murdering six people is a little bit spooky but
1: oh but we're about to go into spooksville
0: right so leaving normal and getting into the paranormal
1: i am so excited guys
0: we're here for the dad jokes <laughs>
1: All right. We're here (laughs) 24-7. Exactly. All
0: right. Again, obviously, Chris is going to be presenting the second half of this case. So go, Chris, let's get into it. I don't want to wait anymore.
1: All right. Let's do this, guys. All right. So here we go with the paranormal. So on December 18th, 1975. Now, mind you, this is just a little bit after uh, everything everything had happened, about a year after the murders had happened
0: right so DeFeo's just basically sitting in jail yes actually if this is a year after it happened he's in trial right now
1: actually i believe he this is right after trial had ended oh gotcha so yep. this is a year after his sentence yep mm-hmm um so on december 18th of 1975 uh george and kathy along with kathy's three children danny what up chris what up and missy <laughs> actually that's not us guys i promise we're we're not a part of this
0: yeah, I wasn't alive in 1975.
1: I mean, I could have been, but you know, who knows?
0: Could have been. Are you unsure of when you were born?
1: Uh, you know, some days my my body acts older than I really. I mean, <laughs> uh, I feel that. <laughs> I feel like I was born in 1975. Sometimes, guys. For real.
0: All right, let's get um, into this paranormal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um. So their whole family decided to move to Amityville, Long Island, as a fresh start. Um, since George and Kathy were newlyweds and both still had their separate houses, when showing them houses, their real estate agent took them to a house to show them how the other half of Amityville lived. I didn't know there was two halves to Amityville, but okay.
0: Yeah, I, I maybe the rich side and like the. I mean, I kind like, of feel like I kind of <laughs> feel
1: like that'd be like somebody like showing someone around where we live, because you know, we're our little rich area is right. Yeah. Like the like, North
0: side of Colorado Springs versus the South side or something like that.
1: Or no, I mean, you've got the, the fancy schmancy houses down there by the zoo. Oh um, yeah. I get this you. is how, this is how one half lives. Screw right. the other half. <laughs> yeah. So they're showing
0: them how the bougie half of Amityville. Lives. Yes.
1: <laughs> um, and she ended up showing them a beautiful Dutch colonial house that the Lutz is described as a home with superb workmanship with old carved moldings hand-carved doorways, and door panels. Now, Danny, as a contractor, I'm sure you could have probably appreciated a house like that. Oh, absolutely. I probably
0: could have worked on a house like that, depending on when it was built, for sure.
1: When Kathy was later asked about how she initially felt about the house when looking at it, she said, I fell in love with the house. I thought the house was charming. Both George and Kathy said it wasn't just the inside of the house that they loved, but that they felt that something or someone was drawing them towards the house. Uh, The house at the time was on sale for $80,000, which made it even more of a deal for them to buy the house in the first place.
0: Which is just ridiculous because a house anywhere for $80,000 is cheap as hell now, and the fact that they were in Long Island is just ridiculous.
1: I mean, and I think this was like a five bedroom, four bath. I mean, this was a large house, so this was not small by any means. Right, for sure. Kathy Lutz said it wasn't until after they liked the house that the broker said, quote, I don't know if I should have told you before you saw the house, or um, now is the appropriate time, but this is the house where the DeFeo slang took place. Still, they didn't read too much into what the broker told them, as George was not the type of man that was easily intimidated. Before actually moving into the house, both him and Kathy spent a lot of time with the children. Deciding and talking about whether they would want to live in that house. Um, and the children had no doubts about moving into that house. And with that, Kathy and George Lutz purchased the home fairly, fully furnished, which had been the DeFeo's furniture that was never removed from the house after the murders.
0: Yeah, I don't think I want to buy a house that's full of all the furniture that people got murdered on. I'm
1: um, I'm not even kidding you, Danny. When I say fully furnished...
0: <laughs> like everything was the same? Everything.
1: That's disgusting. Um, the only thing that was removed was the mattress pads.
0: The mattress pads, like the actual mattresses. The mattress so, yeah, sorry, like the, the actual mat ma- yeah,
1: the only the mattresses were removed.
0: I would surely hope so.
1: Um but everything else was still That's insane. Dressers, beds, right. couches.
0: I feel like that would be too like eerie for me. Like even if i if I was someone who didn't really believe in paranormal stuff, I feel like that would just be too eerie for me. It
1: was. Um the lutes Even kept the children's bed frames, the same ones that the DeFeo children were shot to death in in their sleep.
0: I'd be getting rid of those immediately. I would too. I'd be burning those immediately.
1: (laughs) Um, According to paranormal experts, there are risks in keeping a murdered family's furniture. See? (laughs) When traumatic events like murder happen to a family, there's a risk that the energy can actually get trapped with something that is still on the property. Uh, Could be rocks on the foundation. Could be parts of the wall.
0: Could be the bed that they were murdered in.
1: Could be the furniture. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> also, spirits could just reside there. They Sometimes they end up staying there because whatever happened to them um, happened so fast that the spirits don't know what happened and are looking for answers.
0: I mean, that would be fair because most of the DeFeo family members were murdered in their sleep, so they don't even really know how or why they died. Exactly.
1: Um, so after they bought the house... George Lutz was on the phone with a friend and happened to mention what house they were buying, and his friend said, quote, that they needed to get the house blessed immediately.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you.
1: Boy, if your friend is telling you to immediately get the house blessed, this is not, oh, you can you know, yeah, at some point you're going to have to get a preacher in.
0: We'll find somebody, yeah. No, no he's like, no. No, now. G- now. Yeah. now. I don't care who it is. <laughs> Just call anyone and bless this house.
1: <laughs> um. He then went, after he got off the phone, he went to go ahead and mention this to Kathy because that was a thing a lot of people who were in the Catholic religion did um, at the time.
0: Right. Well, I even know, cause like I, we grew up in, you know, with a Christian household Yeah. and I've even known some people who believe in the Christian faith that like will bless buildings like houses and stuff like that. <clears throat>
1: <laughs> what? I lived through one of those. I'm not going to get into detail, but
0: <laughs> yeah, I definitely have known some people to do stuff like that. Just
1: because I do have family members listening to this, so I'm not going to blast. Um, but let me just tell you, it was weird even growing up in the church like you and me did right um it, it's still weird you know
0: yeah definitely it's it's it is it can be seen as odd for sure
1: of course because you know he wanted to mention this to kathy because he wasn't of the faith um so he had no idea where to even begin on getting the house blessed. Um, and it turns out Kathy was actually Catholic so she gotcha. had some idea
0: and George wasn't yeah gotcha okay
1: um, so Kathy ended up telling him that they had to get a priest to the house and that of course the priest is the one that blesses the house for you sure uh, the blessing would help ward off evil and any powers of the devil if that was in the house uh, generally a blessing of a house will work but here's a huge but <laughs> there are times when the blessings don't work
0: right I mean, I would assume so.
1: So George Lutz co- contacted a friend, Father Ray. He was the one that had annulled George's first marriage.
0: Oh, nice. So yeah. he knows him well.
1: Yeah. <laughs> On December 18th, 1975, the Lutzes moved in not knowing this would be the first day out of only 28 days that they would spend in the house.
0: Oh, so shit went sideways Shit went fast.
1: sideways really fast. Real they weren't even fast. in there for a month.
0: That's insane. I mean, they were in there for a February.
1: For February, <laughs> they were.
0: They were there for a February worth of time.
1: They were in there for a hot minute.
0: Not yeah. even. Not yeah. even. <laughs> <laughs> they were in there for a very cold minute, and they got the fuck out.
1: <laughs> um, the same afternoon, while they were unpacking, Father Ray arrived to bless the house.
0: Okay, yeah, getting it done quick. They're yeah. we still unpacking.
1: Uh, George would later say that he always believed that one of the things that made the house unlivable was doing the house blessing when they moved in. So, basically, he's saying uh, we probably shouldn't have done that.
0: (laughs) I mean, I guess if you believe in that kind of stuff, like getting the house blessed could piss off any spirits that are in that house.
1: And and it actually could, um, according to some paranormal experts. And I'm not saying everybody. Right. But according to some, it can actually provoke or irritate any kind of spirits. Oh, I believe it for sure. Um, So, while working on blessing the house... Uh, Father Ray went room by room, but there was one room that really made him uncomfortable. It was Kathy's sewing room, which used to be the bedroom of Mark and John DeFeo, the brothers.
0: Interesting. I wonder why that room bothered her more than anyone, or him, Father Ray, more than anyone Uh,
1: else. Well, let's get into it. Uh, Father Ray said that when he was blessing the room, that it was really cold in there, and that while sprinkling the holy water throughout the room that he heard what sounded like a demonic voice telling him to get out. get out get out get out when he heard that father ray said it sounded like it was directed at him and that hearing that scared him so badly that he rushed downstairs and although he suspected that the room was full of evil he didn't tell georgia cathy what happened he did, however, tell George and Kathy that as long as no one slept in there, that everything would be fine, and he left the house.
0: Damn! So he just fucking lied his face off and dipped the fuck out. Like <laughs> <You> <laughs> everything's know, fine. Don't sleep in that room because a demon tried to murder me. Yep. But I'm not gonna tell you that I'm part. A, Bye.
1: I'm, almost, I, I'm since we're on the subject of paranormal, uh, I was rewatching Paranormal Activity the other day. Sure. Just for the hell of it, kicks and giggles because I can. And that part almost reminded me of a part in the movie where they get somebody to, a a priest or somebody to come out. And he literally steps in the house and goes, nope, and (laughs) walks right out.
0: Yeah, for real. So Father Ray just basically dipped the fuck out and was like, good luck.
1: Yep. Uh, The first few days that he spent at the Amityville house were good, and George and Kathy had never been happier. Although they did face some challenges, we're not sure I'm going to assume that it was typical family challenges of being, you know, a blended family, newlyweds. Sure. Um, On December 21st, 1975, George is yet again jolted awake at 3.15 a.m., uh, just the same as the past four nights.
0: Which is interesting because in lots of different like religions and like people who believe in the spirit world and stuff like that, 3 a.m. is considered the witching hour. So. Yes,
1: 3 a.m. to 4 a.m. is considered the witching hour. Yeah. Um. So this actually, if you look at the date, December 21st, they moved in on December 18th.
0: So it's only been three days.
1: Three to four. I mean, he says... He said past four nights, but that timeline doesn't really add up because they're in on the 18th. I mean, mean, yeah, yeah, okay, four days. But according to George, this happened, this happened the first night, night, the first night that they moved in. At this point, Kathy is having nightmarish visions, uh, horrifying images of the DeFeo murders. She would go on to say that in these nightmares, she could differentiate who was killed, in what order where the bullets went in and out of the bodies uh, soon enough the sleepless nights started to take a toll on the blended family making the challenges that they had been facing even more difficult than what they had normally been uh, george and kathy's relationship with the kids began to suffer discipline with the kids became more frequent and severe danny lutz said himself that during that time his mom and stepdad would take wooden spoons from the kitchen and beat them with it, and then march them around the house as a way of disciplining them.
0: Geez, so like, they're not sleeping because of these weird spirits. Yeah. The strange thing is that, um... The wife is now, like, seeing these murders happen in her yep, dreams, yep. which is kind of fucked up. And in response, they're basically, like, taking out their lack of sleep and their demonic torture on their children by, like, beating them and yep. marching them around the house.
1: Um. And fun fact, I don't know if I mentioned this in the DeFeo case, but 3.15 a.m. is when he got done with the murders of the family.
0: Oh, that's right. When he finished. That's... Yeah.
1: So he started at 3 a.m. and finished at 3.15 in the morning.
0: Jeez that's so yeah that's that's uh, more than just coincidence that's paranormal i mean that's the whole point
1: all right so george would go on to say that he could never get warm unless he was by the fireplace and that if he even stepped away for a second he would become cold all over again
0: i would hate that i don't really like i don't get cold very easily but i don't like being cold (laughs) i
1: i do i hate being cold but i my husband jokes that i'm cold all the time i like He's like, all well, even in 110 degree weather, you'd still say you're freezing. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like,
0: definitely not like that at all. I get hot very easily, but I also just don't. No, like I mean, there,
1: there are times when I do get like overly, you know, heated. But my husband also likes to sleep with the freaking fan on, on like hurricane blast.
0: I mean, same, but. I'm just like. But this Dude. is for a different reason.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to mention that funny. Sure. No, um,
0: completely different reason.
1: <laughs> so on December 22nd, 1975. Uh, Kathy was making lunch for the kids when she heard Danny and Chris yelling for her. Dropping what she was doing, she ran upstairs to where they were in one of the bathrooms and saw that the kids were looking at the toilet. When Kathy herself peered into the toilet, she saw black stains that seemed to be embedding itself into the toilet bowl. The children also noticed the same black stains in the toilets of the other bathrooms.
0: That's really odd. Kind of terrifying. A little There's bit. The t- same black shit starting to appear in your toilet.
1: Right. Uh, for whatever reason, at this point, um, I don't know if it was just like a wild stick up her butt or something, or if she was just like, huh, maybe I should do this. Uh, Kathy decided to go check out the sewing room, and was met with dozens of flies filling the room, even though it was winter time.
0: I mean, she probably had the feeling to go in there because of how, who was it, Father Ray, like reacted to that room
1: maybe but i just it's odd that she's like huh maybe i should go check out the sewing room
0: i mean that would make the most sense to me because he was spooked by that room and was like everything should be fine just like don't let anyone sleep in there or anything and then weird shit happened and she's like well let me go to the weird shit room you know
1: (laughs) right and upon opening the door she's met with a dozen like dozens of flies
0: which is low-key terrifying like, okay. I'm not scared of flies, but, like, you go into a room and all of a sudden there's just, like, a whole bunch of them. Right. That's a little bit weird.
1: Um. So, apparently, this was not the first time that this has happened. When George mentioned this to people, it was stated that when the police were in the house the night of the murders, that the whole house was filled with flies. The entire house.
0: That's... Yep, I'm I'm good. I'm out. I mean, I'm could not he, even lasting that long. I'm gone. Could, I'm could you imagine the house. like
1: walking into your house right now the way it is and just all you hear is...
0: No. Nope. I'm lying. good. I'm good. Let <laughs> me out. I'm selling the house.
1: <laughs> Bye-bye. Um, on December 25th, Christmas Day 1975, it was the first Christmas that the Lutes had spent in their new house. Uh, Christmas Day was a happy morning filled with presents and family time making the family temporarily forget about what they had been going through. Uh, but that night, George again woke up at 3.15 to see the door of the boathouse was open. Yes, this house was so nice that it had a boathouse.
0: I wish I had a house for my house. like
1: <laughs> A house for your house?
0: Yeah, like I mean like an extra house at my house. I have a house for my boat yep. that's attached to my house house.
1: Yep. <laughs> um, although he said that this had been happening a lot since they'd moved in. Um, he of course went downstairs and outside to look, uh, for any signs of possible intruders, but found nothing. Um, as you know, he made his way down to the boathouse. I mean, that would be the very first thing I would think of is, okay, right, someone's fucking s- with my locks. Yeah.
0: Check to see if anyone's down there or whatever. Right.
1: So again, he made his way down to the boathouse. Uh, once he made sure that the door was closed and the lock was in there. Um, He made his way back to the house, but when he looked up, he saw something moving in Missy's room. Racing back into the house and up the stairs to Missy's room, he went right in there and saw that nothing was there besides Missy sleeping soundly in her bed.
0: That's super creepy.
1: At that point, I'd have been like...
0: We're getting the fuck out of here?
1: Yeah, I know (laughs) Danny would have been gone long before that, but I'd have been like, uh, by George, we're gone.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for real. Like, I'm... I'm not staying any longer. Nope. Nope. I'm gone. I'm out. I'm checking out. You can have the key back. I'm gone.
1: Right. Uh, George later stated that he began to wonder if his mind was starting to play tricks on him and was starting to question his senses and what he was actually seeing and thinking that he had doubts that were slowly making their way into his mind. I mean, I think it would be too if I was waking up at 315 every single night.
0: Yeah, for sure. I feel like there'd be something going on.
1: Right. Uh, The next day, Missy was playing in her room quietly as if nothing had happened the night before when Kathy heard something from downstairs. She walked quickly upstairs and stood in front of Missy's bedroom door. Uh, That's when she heard Missy talking to someone. She says that when she opened Missy's door, she saw Missy talking and the rocking chair that Missy had in the corner of her room was rocking back and forth. And that you could hear something talking back to Missy, but that you couldn't see anything.
0: Yeah, I'm fucking gone. Like I'm <laughs> not here anymore.
1: At that point, I'd be like, "Come here." I'm come, not even come, in the come. same
0: state. I'm already. Gone. I don't know. I'm.
1: I wouldn't even be in the same country.
0: I'm already gone.
1: I'd be like to Canada or something.
0: Yeah. Sorry, you can knock, but nobody's home.
1: <laughs> and that's when Missy told her mom about her new friend named Jody, who Missy states is a pig. Missy would also go on to say that at times her friend Jody was a little bigger than a teddy bear. And other times, Jody would be bigger than a freaking house.
0: That's a whole lot of bacon. Pig bigger than a house? Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of bacon. Yep.
1: Uh, Misty was not scared of Jody, but rather looked as, at it as someone that she could play with in her room. According to paranormal experts, and again, this is just something that I was watching on the documentary. Sure. Demons tend to, you know, I don't want to say imp, but geared towards children. I yeah. don't know if you've heard how they're more
0: susceptible yeah because their minds are still more or
1: spiritually sensitive
0: yeah they're spiritually sensitive but also I feel like their minds are more open to imagination and stuff like that and that can be manipulated
1: right so you know like I said demons are more you know they go towards children but when they do they tend to take form of something that doesn't scare the kids right exactly so to Missy Jody was was a piggy a pig yeah Again, I would have been like, yo, we need to get out. (laughs) Um, So after just nine days in the house, Kathy and George were starting to feel powerless against whatever evil forces were in the house. Desperate, they reached out once again to their friend, Father Ray. Unaware of what Father Ray went through the last time he tried to bless the house, but he refused to come back and do that, which the Lutzes did not understand at all.
0: Well, yeah, because Father Ray didn't tell him about how... He lied. Yeah, he didn't tell him about how fucking spooked he was by that room and what the fuck he heard.
1: But get get this, after the first time of blessing the house, Father Ray ended up with blisters on his hands.
0: That's some fucked up shit. Mm, That's what you get for lying.
1: I would have been truthful. I'd be like, you need to get out. (laughs) Somebody told me to get out. You need to get out.
0: Yeah, he's supposed to be like a fucking preacher or father or whatever. And he's just fucking lying to them about their own safety. And like, obviously, he believes in that kind of stuff. And then look what happens.
1: Um, On December 27th, 1975, uh, George is woken up at 315 yet again. But this time it is to an unbearable sound that he could only describe as a marching band tuning up. Yet Kathy was unaffected by the sound and continued to sleep peacefully. George followed the noise downstairs to where it seemed to be coming from. But when he got to the landing halfway down, the noise just stopped and was completely gone. Nothing but silence in the house. Even the dog was fast asleep downstairs unbothered.
0: Yeah, that's fucking weird as shit.
1: Can you imagine like trying to like wake your spouse up and be like, I just heard this. The fucking
0: marching band setting (laughs) up outside and she's like, what the fuck are you talking about?
1: (laughs) So, on December 28th, 1975, so the next day, Kathy made a shocking discovery. She went down to the basement and went over to one of the bookcases, which was at the end. She moved the bookshelf and saw there was no wall behind it. Cool. Instead, there was an entrance into a small, brightly painted red room. The family dog who had gone down to the basement with Kathy began to act strangely whenever he would get close to the red room. Uh, George would end up saying that the dog had been down there before, but would cower and refuse to go near that space, and that there was a horrible smell in that room. They later found out that that smell was also there the night of the murders.
0: I mean, that's... First of all, it's fucking weird that they just have this little red room hidden behind a fucking bookcase in the basement. That's already kind of fucking scary. Yeah. And the fact that it has this fucking smell and the dog's terrified of it. I'm good. I'm going home. Right?
1: I mean, you're already home. What are you going to do?
0: <laughs> I'm fucking leaving. You can have the house back.
1: Go back upstairs and act like nothing happened. <laughs> um, George continued on by saying that one morning they went upstairs to find a green gelatin substance on the floor. That it hadn't been there the night before. He also said that the substance was wet and sticky. And when he wiped it up, would it would go away. But the next day it would be different, but that it always came back. There was also black epoxy-like teardrops oozing out of the keyholes of the doors. So, guys, they—they they, she goes and she discovers this red room. This
0: fucking room. After then, already seeing like black shit in the toilet.
1: And following after that, I mean, I can only think of the green substance as like you've seen Ghostbusters, right?
0: Yeah, of course. Like
1: the the spew that comes out. Yeah,
0: the fucking like green gelatin substance. Yes. Funny enough, the first thing I thought of was fucking um, flubber. (laughs) Fucking almost,
1: almost, yeah. But I was thinking more like the spew of the Ghostbusters.
0: And then on top of that, they have like black, like resin type fucking shit oozing out of the the keyholes. keyholes
1: Are crying black, you guys? Like,
0: yeah. I'm deaf. Yeah, I'm gone. I'm fucking moving out. That's fucking terrifying. There,
1: there would be. I would just vacate the house. Like none of my stuff is coming with me. It's already been affected.
0: All the fucking stuff that's there isn't theirs anyway. Belong g- to the.
1: I get, but even stuff like the kids got for Christmas. You know, things like that. Yeah. Things that they had maybe bought over the last, you know,
0: twenty days. 20, if they've been there.
1: <laughs> not even that. <laughs> On January fourth, nineteen seventy six. By now, the Lutes have been in the house for 18 days, sleep deprived by now, they reach out to old friends Joe and Mimi. Uh, Joe happened to be an old trusted college friend of George's. Uh, so George and Kathy, went of course, went over to Joe and Mimi's house one night um, and they explained that, you know, what had been happening to them at their house. Joe said that he really did not believe George and Kathy as they had never experienced anything when they were over there.
0: Yeah, which I I get, but also, like, all the, a lot of this shit happens, like, in the middle of the night when they woke up at 3.15, and... I mean, some of the stuff happens during the day, but...
1: Right. Um, after George and Kathy left, it was said as they got closer to the house, the disappointment of not being believed seemed to just fade away. So, it was almost like they just... As they got closer to home, they just didn't care.
0: Right. It's almost like the spirits in that house are affecting the way that they feel about things that happen outside in the normal world.
1: (laughs) Right. Uh, That night, George said that everything that had been happening to him finally got to him, and that the thoughts he was having were very dark and nothing that he would ever normally think about. I mean, that's that's crazy, you guys.
0: Yeah, it sounds like they're affecting his mental health now at this point, which makes sense because of the sleep deprivation.
1: I mean, I've... For all you guys out there that have not seen Amityville, um, I would definitely go ahead and watch it. Yeah,
0: definitely. Uh,
1: both versions are great. The original one is way better, I always think. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but Ryan Reynolds actually portrayed the character of George Lutz. Um, I don't know if that's his name in the movie, but I have to say that he did a fantastic job.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Portraying how, you know, you could only imagine what George was thinking at that time. Yeah. Um, so January 14th, it had been almost a month since, month since they had moved into the house. They once more tried to have the house blessed to try and drive out the demonic forces that were making the Lutz's life a living hell. A friend of the Lutz's told them what they had done, and that was to go into each room and bless it. But as George and Kathy made their way through the house, they were met by violent resistance, in which they said to have heard a chorus of voices saying, Will you stop? Will you stop?
0: That's fucking terrifying.
1: Guys, if you're not getting out by now.
0: Yeah, I don't know why you're still staying there.
1: <laughs> Guys, okay. You I You literally
0: can... are hearing demonic voices asking you to stop trying to bless the house and you're not just going to fucking leave.
1: I, I, I mean. I guess the only
0: other option other than leaving at this point is trying to fucking befriend these demons.
1: Like, Oh, hell no. Nope. 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 <laughs> On January 15th, 1976. The final night that the family stayed in the house, okay, this was the final night, was said to have been the nightmare from hell. So after they did the blessing by themselves on the house, it seemed to only make things worse and that they had made the entity angry. Once again, the hauntings began at 3.15 in the morning when George was awoken yet again. Uh, George said that he tried to move, but that his limbs were locked and that he was paralyzed. Uh, While laying in bed, that's when he heard an ear-splitting thump coming from his stepson's room. George says he has memories of laying in the bed unable to move and hearing the boy's bed slamming up and down overhead. George says that he turned to Kathy for help, but instead of finding her laying in bed, he found her body floating above the bed and away from him towards one of the bedroom walls.
0: I literally don't even know what the fuck I would do in that situation.
1: Um... I don't know I'd I feel
0: like I was dreaming
1: I would too um guys I've experienced something kind of eerily similar to what George Woods was going through not demonic wise no 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 no, no. what do um, you mean uh it's called sleep paralysis
0: oh. yeah I've I've experienced that as well
1: I'm not talking about like I've experienced you know my husband's body floating and I can't get <laughs> up I was gonna up. say what the fuck are you talking no. about no I just wanna kinda touch on it on like two seconds of it it's scary guys okay
0: yeah, sleep paralysis is a weird feeling. You literally, like, your body's awake, your eyes are open, but your body can't move.
1: Like, you can't talk, you can't move. Um, I, You know what's kind of odd, Danny, is I've literally heard myself screaming in my head to wake up.
0: Yeah, that's weird.
1: Like, I've tried to, like, call, but, you, like, you call somebody, but you can't. And it's kind of, it's scary. I don't like it. And I don't like experiencing it.
0: Yeah. And I can't imagine being in a state of sleep paralysis or something similar and seeing like paranormal shit happening around (laughs) you too. Um, Fucking terrifying.
1: Yep. So again, she was floating towards one of the bedroom walls. Um, At this point, George is trying to fight off the paralysis to be able to move his arms again. He was finally able to do this and he grabbed Kathy and pulled her down to the bed. Uh, during the next hour of their lives, things continued to happen. George said that their dog, Harry, would get up, circle around, lay down, get back up, get sick, and then fall down once more. Danny Lutz told someone that at that point that he that his bed was levitating. So this is the oldest son. Right, and
0: so his bed's just fucking floating in there. Yeah.
1: Uh, it's actually levitating and it's hitting the ceiling with him on the bed. Jesus. Um, then bouncing back and forth and that both him and his brother Christopher's beds were doing this. Kathy said that at one point, George had turned to look at her, but instead of finding relief and comfort in his wife, he was horrified, causing Kathy to go look at herself in the mirror where she saw that she had gray hair, her face was severely wrinkled and decompressions coming down her forehead. I that point things took a turn for the worse when the front door started to open and slam shut by itself the dog was howling in fear but then it stopped
0: i feel like all that happening is scary but then all of it just fucking falling silent immediately is like almost scarier
1: i, I would just be I-, I don't even know right i don't, just don't even know.
0: like stuck with fear just fucking stuck in place
1: Um, so the next morning, Danny and Chris came downstairs, absolutely frightened of what had occurred overnight, uh, not being able to go to Kathy or George and having them not be able to come to the boys rescue, but get this, you ready for this? Yeah. Nothing happened in Missy's room.
0: Oh, really? Nothing happened. I wonder if it's because she was friends with that, like her imaginary friend. I don't
1: But she actually like, while the boys were frightened, Missy came downstairs for breakfast the next morning, asking what had happened. Oh my gosh! Um, does that bring a familiar question to you? She came downstairs and asked what had happened. The sis, oh, the yeah, oldest like sister, the older
0: sister of the fucking uh, of Ronnie Butch. DeFeo, yeah, yeah, Butch DeFeo. Because she asked the same
1: thing. She was like, "What was going on?" And Missy came downstairs, totally unaffected, and said, "What happened?"
0: Yeah, that's fucking interesting.
1: Um. So, unsure of what to do next, they reach out for a third time to Father Ray. They tried several times to get a hold of him, and when they finally did, he told them to leave the house immediately. Still, even after a night like they had just experienced, something told them not to leave. But with some encouragement from Father Ray, they packed up just a few bags of things and got ready to leave.
0: Yeah, I would be fucking. I would not protest that suggestion at all.
1: Um At 4 p.m. that day, the family piled into the van, and according to George, as they were leaving, they kept hearing a banging sound on the outside of the van, and he felt like he was pretty much being thrown around on the road a couple of times. But eventually, they made it safely to Kathy's mother's house. Um, after they moved out of the house, George reached out to paranormal experts hoping to find someone to fix the house. He was able to get in contact with Jerry Salvin. After George was able to tell Sylvan his story, Sylvan agreed to send a field reporter to Amityville to conduct an initial investigation. According to George Lutz, he wanted answers quickly, but the investigation team refused to do so, as they said that there could be a number of reasons why the experiences happened the way they did. At that point, George truly believed that whatever had driven him out of the house had also possessed Ronald DeFeo and caused him to murder his entire family.
0: I mean, yeah, that at that point, when you've experienced the amount of stuff that George and Kathy and the whole family have experienced, like I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he believed that there was also some kind of evil spirit that caused uh, DeFeo to do what he did. Right,
1: and Ronald DeFeo actually, you know, in one of his many recounts of his, the murder, um, stated that a, a demon or a black shadow head approached him. With the gun that he murdered his family with. Right. And told him to go kill his family. Right, yeah. And that he was so scared that he did it.
0: I mean, after hearing all of this, I feel like it's possible.
1: It could be. <laughs> um, so, but also,
0: another thought that I had is that the fucking, you know, family annihilation that fucking DeFeo committed is what could cause all of the fucking demonic spirits that are, right. you know, terrorizing George and Kathy.
1: So on February 15th, 1976... Uh, George and Kathy appeared in a meeting with Ronald DeFeo's attorney, William Weber. We know Mr. Weber very well now, so they all met up and they agreed that they were going to go to the media and, you know, kind of have like a panel meeting. I don't know if you guys, but there was like a long table and there was them and then Mr. Weber. Um, so they tell their tell the reporters their horrifying experience. Um, Of course, the reaction in the media is immediate and the story broke out in newspapers, news stations, very quickly. Um, But their story quickly got out of hand. and As quickly as it had begun, their relationship with Mr. William Weber ended when he asked them to sign a contract handing over control of their story. In the contract, there was a section basically telling them that they were only to speak about their encounters in a factual manner. And if they didn't, he would take over the house, which caused them to disappear from the spotlight for a while as the attention was making them uncomfortable until a young reporter from Channel 5 News reached out to them, letting them know that she knew of some paranormal investigators that would love to help them out.
0: Well, at least I got that because obviously uh, Weber was trying to kind of take advantage of what had happened, it seems like to me. And so I'm glad that. That this uh, younger reporter reached out to them trying to help and get some paranormal experts to the house and see what the fuck is up.
1: Right. So they agreed to meet with Laura, the young reporter, and share their horrifying story. So basically, it took five hours of sitting with the Lutzes to hear their whole story. Um, That's insane. Laura said basically that it took so long because she was just... And she said on the documentary, she said either this really did happen or they are the Robert De Niro and Meryl Streep of their, you know, of their time.
0: Yeah, for real. That's Like,
1: it was so convincing that she just was like, either they're really good actors or this actually did happen. Yeah, for real. Um, but the Lutzes did agree to Laura's proposition to having an exclusive investigation done by Channel 5. Laura then contacts Ed and Lorraine Warren... Ed Warren is a demonologist and Lorraine is a medium, and Damn, Lorraine, what a
0: couple! <laughs> Unless they're, yeah, they're a couple.
1: But yeah, they were married. Um, they they're like, and all my horror movie fans out there know of Ed and Lorraine Warren because there have been movies
0: made um, about some of their findings and shit like that. Right. Yeah. Um,
1: I believe, if I remember correct, and my audience can tell me. Um, Conjuring actually had some of the Lutz's story in it.
0: Oh, fascinating.
1: So, yeah, it was very... Anyways, um, so... And, you know, they arranged for a time to come down the next day. On February 24th, 1976, Ed and Lorraine Warren, Laura Dito, and a film crew met George Lutz in front of his house. Um, Ed and Lorraine asked George to come into the house with them, and George replied, No. I was sitting out here and I had to leave when you guys weren't on time because I was getting ill just sitting in front of the house. I won't go back in there. George handed the keys over to the team and let them go in. But at that point, the house had been vacant for several weeks. But there were signs that the Lutes really did leave in a hurry. Stuff was still on the kitchen counter. Dishes were in the sink. The gingerbread house that Kathy had made for the kids at Christmas was still on the dining room table. It looked as though the house was just waiting for the residents to come back.
0: That's so eerie. I mean, again, I don't I don't blame George for not wanting to go back in there because of all the shit that happened. But, right. you know, walking in there and seeing a house that's basically, like, set up to celebrate Christmas is fucking eerie as hell.
1: Right. Uh, Lorraine Warren said, quote, at that exact moment, that exact time that Roland DeFeo murdered everyone in his family, Ed's mother passed away at the same time. Now, let, let me explain that a little bit. Ed and Lorraine Warren walked into the house and Lorraine didn't realize it because she didn't know the whole backstory of the DeFeo at that time, DeFeo murder, until she was in the house. Right. Well, she ended up saying that she, initially before she found out, that she felt a connection to that house. And it was because she stated that uh, Ed's mother passed away at 3.15 a.m. on the same day that Ronnie DeFeo committed the murders
0: oh wow that's that's fucking weird, right, yeah,
1: so as they were walking through the house with Lorraine, Ed was of course guiding her and went ahead of her and said, "Okay, what do you feel?" And he had his crucifix and holy water out uh then Lorraine would give them her impression, basically, she felt ill through the whole house, she was getting a headache um when she got to certain parts of the house. she said it she would taper off, she said some parts were okay but when she got to other parts of the house like the sewing room the bedrooms she said it got really bad gotcha um so lorraine went into detail by saying as she was walking upstairs in the house it was like as if you're walking against a waterfall a force that was so strong and she actually said this about the master bedroom because you have to walk upstairs to the master bedroom
0: right yeah that's weird it's like the uh, whatever spirits are in there trying to prevent her from going upstairs
1: right When she went into the master bedroom, it once again made her feel ill. Uh, Meanwhile, Ed is downstairs. He hopes religious provocation will draw out the demonic presence in the basement. So Ed Warren would say later, It was my custom to go down to the basement or the lowest part of the house because these are usually the darkest parts of the house and this is where evil thrives. This is where it survives. It hates God's light. He also said, I took out a crucifix, I held it up, and I commanded the na- in the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus to come out and reveal itself. He said, I never had such a quick reaction. I immediately went into what we call religious resistance. I commanded it in the name of Jesus what was there to leave and go back to where it came from. I immediately felt it lift off. So basically he f- like,
0: like felt something leave from the yeah. basement.
1: To the Warrens, it's the most terrifying experience that they've ever had. They were shaken and they knew they needed help. Um, guys, Lorraine and Ed Warren did some, I mean, I'm not going to say sketchy stuff. But I mean, they went into a lot of different cases. Right, a lot of
0: scary paranormal shit that they've seen before. Right,
1: but they said that the Amityville house was the most terrifying Guys, this is a medium and a demonologist, okay? This is what they did for a living.
0: Right. They're not really scared of shit like this, but they get to this house and they're like, yeah, we need some fucking help now. Right.
1: They couldn't face this level of evil by themselves. It was decided that the Warrens would arrange a seance and that they, could, they would reconvene in a week or two, but the word of what was going on happened to spread fast and the list of people wanting to participate in the seance grew. At the same time this was happening, George Lutz was contacting other paranormal investigators. So when they got permission to do the sounds in March, they had no idea so many people would be there.
0: I'm not super surprised that a bunch of people wanted to go because there's a lot of people who are fascinated by paranormal. I am super
1: surprised by George, though. I mean, come on. You have someone that's already offered to do.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, he's just trying to get as many people as he can to, like, see what the fuck's going on. And I guess. Try to fix shit, I guess, you know?
1: On March 6, 1976, teams of investigators and journalists came to the Amityville Horror House. In all, 20 people took part of the seance. But once again, George refused to enter the house. Uh, The main event would take place in the dining room on the first floor, and the Warrens were hoping to make contact with the entities that infested the house. At midnight, the seance began. Uh, Two psychics were there to connect with the entities and went back and forth describing what they were seeing. The seance confirmed the Warrens' worst fears that a dark presence was there and that they were going to need a priest to come out and exorcise the house. At sunrise, the investigation ended and the Warrens were convinced that the home was infested with demonic entities. They believed that there were many demonic entities within the property itself that had been there when the DeFeo family was there and the same ones were there when the Lutz family had lived there. Uh, Ed and Lorraine told George and Kathy, "quote We can't fix this. We don't know what to do with this house. This house is the most evil house in America."
0: Damn, that's a that's a pretty fucking evil house, especially coming from the fucking Warrens.
1: Again, you've got a demonologist and a medium.
0: Right? Yeah, that's I'm I'm good. <laughs> I'm not gonna visit that house. I'm good.
1: I want to go see it from the outside.
0: You can do that on your own.
1: Okay. <laughs> oh come on! it be just like sit there and be like. Nope. No, Dan, would be like, you're an idiot. No, I saw all you. <laughs> nah, I, I'm good. If this really happened, I'm staying as far freaking away. I'll look at it up on Google Maps. How about that?
0: I, I mean, I might do that with you.
1: Okay. Uh, Kath and George, Kathy and George felt defeated. They weren't able to ask a priest to perform an exorcism as it was too dangerous. They continued to pay the mortgage payments for several months before they realized they couldn't fix the situation they were in. So they decided they were going to give the house back to the bank. Uh, still shaken up and scared, George asked a few riding buddies to retrieve some essentials. With just a few things to take with them, George and Kathy plus the kids embarked on a new adventure in a life and bought one-way tickets to California.
0: They literally just got the fuck away from that. They literally yep. went to the opposite end of the fucking country to get away from that house.
1: And what's funny is, is you remember how I mentioned Joe? His college buddy, yes. George was one, of, or Joe was one of them that went back to the house.
0: Oh, nice! What a good friend.
1: Um, uh, not really. I think he's kind of a putz, but okay.
0: I mean, he still was willing but, to go back to the house. No, and get but shit just for listen.
1: Listen to this, okay? So, him and a bunch of biker buddies, because George was in a motorcycle club. Right. Um, went to the house. George said, "Don't do anything. Grab the shit we need and get out." Sure. Okay. Tell me why these putzes sat at the kitchen table and were, like, smoking cigarettes and eating cake and...
0: I mean, they are getting rid of the house anyway, so...
1: (laughs) Well, I get that, but... And then Joe, again, sat there and was like, oh, we didn't believe him because nothing again happened while we were there.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe the fucking... The demons, the spirits were fucking... Tired. Yeah, or or (laughs) just, like, they just decided who they did and didn't want to fucking haunt.
1: Right. So, in January of 1977, paranormal investigator Hans Hansel went to the house to do an investigation of his own with trans-psychic Ethel Johnson. It was there that Ethel made contact with the spirit, stating that the Amityville house was built on an ancient Native American burial ground, and that was the source for all the activity. Soon after, the Lutzes published their own story called The Amityville Horror, and it quickly became a bestseller. Kathy and George ended up divorcing in 1980, and both have since passed away. Kathy died of emphysema in 2004, and George died of heart disease in 2006. Their children have tended to stay away from the horror spotlight, uh, specifically daughter Missy. Um, however, Daniel Lutz appeared in the 2013 documentary Miamiville Horror, and remained adamant that the hauntings happened, while son Christopher to the Seattle Times that although the book was not a hoax, it was extremely amplified. Um, he finished by saying that he regularly clashed with his stepfather and ended up moving away from his family at age 16. There's really no information other than that about the kids.
0: Right, yeah. I can't say I'm super surprised about Missy not really claiming any spotlight after this and that most of the kids really stayed away, but the fact that Daniel... Uh, went on in the documentary and basically defended the fact that all of this shit did actually happen to them. It was fascinating. Right,
1: because a lot of people ended up stating that this was a hoax.
0: Right, trying to just do it for publicity. Publicity, or... money, right. attention. Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, Because I guess there's been multiple families that have lived in the Amityville house since then. Right. And nobody has claimed the same thing that the Lutz has claimed.
0: Right, yeah, so... I'm sure that there's definitely a lot of people who doubt the fact that this actually happened to them.
1: Uh, yeah, there's still to this day, there's a lot of people that have sat there and said, I think you guys are full of shit.
0: Right, just doing it for attention.
1: Not that we're saying that you guys are full of shit. <laughs> um, I wasn't there. Do I believe it happened? It could be a possibility.
0: Yeah, I mean... The fact that they were so adamant about defending themselves um, when talking about it, I think it's definitely highly likely that it did happen.
1: Oh, it, it, it's it's a huge possibility. I mean, I don't like that news reporter said either they were really convincing or they're just really good actors.
0: Right. Yeah. They're either really convincing or this shit actually did happen.
1: Mm hmm. Well, guys, that wraps up the Amityville Horror House. I've, I don't. Okay, Danny can't see because I'm wearing a jacket, but I've got goosebumps, <laughs> dude. I've I've kind of spooked myself a little bit.
0: Oh, did you? <laughs> just a little bit.
1: Yeah. Not not enough to kind of. I mean,
0: that's one of my favorite paranormal cases. Like is the Amityville. Yeah, it's one of my favorite paranormal cases that I've ever heard covered in a podcast, or even just talked about the movies that were made about it, and documentaries and stuff are just fascinating to me.
1: Right. I mean, guys, it was super fascinating to research. I knew a little bit about it. Like, I knew kind of what had happened. Right. But I didn't know the extent of it until I dived in. So, but yeah, that is the last and final part of the Amityville Horror House. Yeah. I I hope you guys enjoyed it. Are you guys spooked?
0: I'm yeah. fucking spooked. I would not have stayed in that house nearly as long as George and Kathy did.
1: And And what's funny, guys, is we're actually recording in the dark right now.
0: Yeah, it is. It's... <laughs> Really fucking dark here right now. The only light in this room right now is the fucking light coming from my laptop.
1: So excuse me if I sound a little spooked. I'm like looking around, going, "Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) nah, I'm not. I'm not that easy to. I'm not like George where I'm gonna be like I can't be intimidated, but yeah, I'm also gonna walk out of this house and be like, okay, let's go into the next case. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. I'm excited for next week's case. Oh my god,
1: Danny, tell them. Yeah, give them a clue.
0: I mean, so for next week, you guys can get your guesses in. He this guy, he lived in Alaska, but he did move around a lot. So
1: Can can I say his nickname or do you think that's going to get no. it away?
0: No, you're nope. not going to say his nickname. No. Damn. No, they got to guess. No,
1: I just I think I think it's an awesome okay, nickname. Okay, but
0: not a lot of serial killers live in Alaska.
1: No, but the nickname that they gave him was pretty awesome.
0: Yes, and it's very very long, and if someone were to look up the nickname that he had, they would absolutely know who it was.
1: I didn't know it was that long. Yeah. Oh, I may be thinking of a different nickname than you.
0: Well, we're not going to tell him anyway. I okay. can guess.
1: Okay. <laughs> so, so if
0: you do want to get your guesses in for next week, like I said, this guy lives in Alaska, and but he did move around a lot. And so you can send the, your guesses to our email, which is serialknowledgepod at gmail.com. You mm-hmm. can also send us any suggestions for cases if you want to that email address.
1: Please do, guys. I actually got a case suggestion for my sister-in-law. Sweet. So, so we'll look into that. I'm going to look into that. Yeah. Maybe Yeah, shout tonight. out to
0: Chris's sister-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you can also find us on Facebook. It's going to be facebook.com slash knowledge pod. That's going to be our fan page where we post about the cases that we cover. We also post polls and just questions to get you guys interacting with us. And from that fan page, you can also find our Facebook group where you can be a knowledger and you can interact with other listeners and interact with us as well. So find us there. And uh, yeah like I said send us an email get your guesses in get your suggestions in we'll try to cover everyone when you do that and until next uh, week guys
1: alright well. guys we will see you next week peace bye